0: We'll talk with our friend Al now. We'll talk a little bit about the wind and how that might have affected our fine feather friends. Good morning, Al.
1: Hey, good morning, Karen. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it was so windy. Oh. I do have to mention before I forget, though, that song you played, uh, I heard uh, like somebody was plucking a banjo string, and that would be a green frog. Oh, and the other the there one. Was a <laughs> Yeah, there was just one little short kind of call, like a bird-like sound, and I think that was probably a gray tree frog. But the uh, green frog is pretty cool. I don't know if Kermit was a green frog or what Kermit (laughs) was, but they make a sound like somebody plucking a single banjo string. So they have a very, uh, very, very cool song. So it was nice. It was so windy. It was uh, my honor Uh, to speak at the Geneva at uh, the Geneva Cemetery in Allendale at the First Lutheran Cemetery for Memorial Day yesterday and oh goodness that wind was just cut right through you it was uh, the crowds were strong I was uh, uh, pleased to see so many people come out to remember and it was just a a nice thing Uh, and uh, when Before we went on the air, you mentioned about a turkey vulture probably flying into the wind and unable to find. Uh, it's tough to move against that wind. It, Boy, just was sus- it,
0: tr- it was like it was suspended in midair. Grant and I were driving back from, our, uh, from his aunt Steph's, and we watched this thing, and I thought it was a hawk, and Grant said it's a turkey vulture, and he's probably right, but it was literally trying to fly into the wind, and it couldn't move, so it was, it was just like hanging on a string just there.
1: Yeah, and Turkey vultures—they're—they're uh, uh, they're probably a stronger flyer than they're given credit for. I, I see things about them often. They say they're sort of a weak flyer. And the reason for that is that they play the thermal game. They fly with uh, the thermals and they do that sort of thing. So they're like a hybrid. So, yeah, it makes them burn up a lot more energy than they probably want to. Uh, The Raptor Center had a beloved turkey vulture who was an ambassador. It was Nero, and he recently passed away uh, 47 years old and so it was one of the oldest known turkey vultures in the country and I think it had been there for 29 years wow. and he passed away from kidney failure and they oh. hatched in 1974 and Nero was raised to better understand vultures and help conservationists develop tracking technology that would be used to save the California condor from extinction so Nero was a bit of a hero here too. So. Uh, I got a nice uh, text from a listener saying, I think uh, they had a a clothesline, and they have a post, and it's got a hole in the post. It's a metal post. And she said, it looks like house wrens are (laughs) nesting in there. And, you know, house wrens, I think, like clotheslines. I remember one nested in my mother's clothespin bag and another nested in my blue jeans hanging on a line. And simple joys weren't denied as the young wrens fledged in unrehearsed flights from both those sites. And one year, there was a crow that plucked off the clothespins nearest to the post where it was perched. It did nothing more than drop them to the ground, and then when a piece of clothing fell to the ground, it cawed several times and then flew away. So I guess that was, I don't know what it was doing, just entertaining itself. I saw a red-winged blackbird on a street sign. I'd love to see one on a street sign reading Broadway, because I think it'd be great to hear red-winged blackbirds singing on Broadway. So that's my hope. I watched an osprey pluck a fish from the water. The osprey's feathers are slightly oiled to limit water absorption, and it's the only raptor having that adaptation. I enjoy listening to thrashers and catbirds and I remember in Florida I listened to mocking birds alternating the sounds of a cardinal, a cell phone, a blue jay, a car alarm and a Carolina Wren. And research found that frogs and toads are on the list of sounds mimicked by the mockingbirds. So they can probably mimic the green frog and the gray tree frog. I watched a broad-winged hawk, the most common raptor of the forests in Minnesota, and the record number of broadwings flying over Hawk Ridge in Duluth was 160,703 birds in the fall of 2003. And you can uh, oh, you can imagine that those numbers are greatly they vary considerably according to the weather. But this hawk migrates at high altitudes and seldom stops to hunt during migration. And to conserve energy on that long journey, they float upward to find lift on vertical air currents as high as they can go and then glide to another. When one hawk discovers a thermal or updraft, the others join it, and then they all swirl up in a kettle and their fall migration is an exciting spectacle as they wing their way to Central and South America. I, uh, someone had a Carolina Wren at uh, oh, the tail end of winter, and I, it made me recall walking a trail in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, male Carolina Wrens were singing a series of quick three-part whistles which sounded like tea kettle or maybe Germany. And their bite was once thought to be deadly poisonous. Why? Probably because wrens eat spiders. But it's not. So if you see one, you don't have to fear it. A listener says, what are my chances of seeing a brown pelican in Minnesota? I'd have to say slim. There have been five sightings, according to the Minnesota Ornithologist Union's historical records. But it, uh, you know, Alcatraz, you know, how does that have anything to do with a pelican? Well, Alcatraz was a federal prison, once the home of Al Capone, George Machine Gun Kelly, Alvin Carpus, who is maybe not as famed as some of those uh, gangsters, but he was the first public enemy, number one. And then Robert Stroud were all sent to the Rock for attitude adjustments. Robert Stroud's life was made into the Birdman of Alcatraz movie starring Burt Lancaster. The exact meaning is debated a bit, but Alcatraz likely came from Alcatraces, meaning the island of pelicans, and was named by a Spanish explorer in 1775 because of the brown pelican scene there. And there was another, uh, it was anglicized Alcatraz. There's another famous movie the escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood. Mm -hmm. Um, Karen, you sent me something about no jelly for Orioles.
0: Yeah, there was a, somebody sent me something about saying that, that they thought it wasn't the best thing. So talk about that, that article I sent you.
1: Sure. And I, I see this from somebody every year. Uh, You know, you can, you can put out, Small amounts of jelly to attract orioles and catbirds and red bellied woodpeckers. Just don't put out so much that it risks soiling their feathers. A friend of mine, Laura Erickson, wrote that no scientific studies have been conducted to determine whether jelly's benefits outweigh the problems it poses, nor about whether sugar-based or high-fructose corn syrup jellies are better. Those with artificial sweeteners have zero nutrition and are dangerous. Feeders provide only a tiny fraction of a wild bird's daily calories, so studies of captive birds aren't relevant. All the information I've been able to find about feeding jelly to wild birds is anecdotal, but banded Orioles did return year after year to my bird banding friend. That's a compelling data point. Uh, Contacting uh, Heidi Faulkner at Project Feeder Watch, which is part of Cornell Lab of Ornithology. She's a Project Feeder Watch assistant. And on May 10th, she said, hello, thank you for reaching out. Jelly is fine to offer. We recommend trying to offer natural jelly if possible. So I I don't see the problem, I guess. If that's all the bird was eating, had nothing but jelly, you know, it would be like us. If you love pizza, but if you (laughs) ate pepperoni pizza three times a day, seven days a week, it might not be good for you. And I think it's the same with jelly for these birds.
0: I I have another listener who um, actually just sent a text about Orioles. He or she doesn't say which, just the phone number. Why do the Orioles suddenly stop eating grape jelly?
1: Uh, They've got other things to do. So there gets to be some insects around. They're building nests, and they're tied up with all these other things. So they get some natural foods and part of it is also that we get this great influx of Orioles so they just attack the jelly well now they're settling down where they're in territory so now instead of having 25 Orioles you got maybe two in your yard because these are the ones that are there so maybe they're still eating their share but the other 23 have gone on to eat somebody else's jelly So
0: well here's another it, one I just got Al another listener this is a different one said I couldn't find grape jelly so I put out grape juice the Orioles and catbirds like it I put it in a cup on a small saucer with water in the saucer this creates a moat so the ants can't get to it
1: yeah, yep, they will sure go for that, and uh, yeah, I think I probably uh, related my wife and my shopping. Uh, I forget how many stores now we went to before we were able to find some grape jelly, and the the nice people that work in those stores saying, "You need it for the birds, huh?" So I <laughs> guess uh, we like it for the birds more than we do our toast. I'm a peanut butter guy, so I gotta have peanut butter on my toast. But yeah, it's Orioles are. You know they're they're important to us i love seeing the orioles i love seeing that beauty it's spring you look outside and you just see those beautiful birds and you say boy it's spring this is going to be great so um marion ball of faribault who has she put up one of those wreaths on the window that are made of flowers and she has baby robins in the nest on that, which is pretty cool. But she said, have you seen or heard about birds that don't belong here in the spring? My friend who lives just five miles north of me thinks she has a western tanager and a wood thrush. Could they have been blown off course during our windy spring? Uh, Great to hear from you, Mary, and I I hope it's because more people are looking at birds, so I keep fingers crossed on that. Uh, The first one, The wood thrush is a widespread species throughout the forested regions of Minnesota. It remains an uncommon and relatively sparsely distributed species. I do see and hear them here in the summer and feel blessed by that. Their song is a symphony all by itself. The western tanager is prone to vagrancy, and there have been 17 observations in the state since March 1st. A number of them were seen in Hennepin County, so that's not too far away from Rice County. Uh, both birds are incredible and a treat to see, and I hope that proves to be what she has seen. Uh, Rachel Knudsen, who's a nurse, in, she's from Heartland, but she's a nurse at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. She says she is in so greatly enjoyed watching the peregrine falcons nesting there. Uh, Mark Heineman of Albert Lee related a story about his young daughter who is just kind of new to the whole talking world, or I should say talking world, new to the kind of uh, forming sentences world. Yeah. And she would learned that birds eat insects. So now she's standing at the window and points when she sees bugs, insects, saying, birds, bugs. So she's trying to help them out. <laughs> uh, Bryce Gaudian of Hayward seeing yellow warbler. Uh, David Hunter of Austin said, Today in the woods along the Cedar River in Austin, I saw a small, bright red bird that I've never seen before, and I'm older than you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) It was too small to be a summer tanager, and its beak was more like a warbler. I couldn't get close to it. Looking online, the closest thing I found is a vermilion flycatcher, but I didn't see any brown or gray around the eyes. Is there anything else it could be? Oh man, David, you know, Minnesota's red birds are, oh, that's rattle moth, northern cardinal, house finch, purple finch, common red pole, scarlet tanager, pine grosbeak, which is extremely rare in southern Minnesota, uh, white-winged crossbill, red crossbill, summer tanager. We have the really rare painted bunting. Uh, none of the warblers have much red, I don't think. There's a lot of orange. Uh, someone did describe an American Red Star to me the other day as having a lot of red. So uh, you know, a lot is how you describe the color red. Uh, someone sent me a photo of a vermilion flycatcher a few weeks ago. I don't know if it was taken here in Minnesota or if they were down south somewhere. Uh, the Minnesota Ornithologist Union, again, which keeps track of the history of seeing birds, said that a vermilion flycatcher was seen in Becker County in 2015, Ottertail 1977, Cook 2015, St. Louis County 1991, Candy Hi 1994, and Yellow Medicine 2017. So what is that, six? six counties they've seen them in so man i hope you get to see it again and i oh i'd love to see that bird so i hope that's what it is uh cheryl holland of blue earth said has anyone else noticed that the doves are extremely verbal this year i'm wondering if it seems so due to my decreased hearing of other sound is there a different strain of doves are they annoyed because the weather (laughs) remains cool and unsettled can hear them plainly with doors and windows closed. Um, Cheryl, maybe your hearing is getting better. so that's why, Or your world is getting quieter, or the population of local doves has increased and started nesting closer to your house, or you have more Eurasian-collared doves than you've had before. They are persistent singers. The males, per, it's a distinctive whoo hoo hoo sounds mm-hmm. so maybe that's what you're hearing um marie de Janeiro of albert lee sent me some photos of baltimore orioles thanks marie uh gretchen taylor said many indigo buntings this year uh, roger badd of algona iowa who uh, yeah, but he's related to me, and I, he's trying to keep that a secret, but I let it out now. I, he said, I saw an indigo bunting today. What a treat, a beautiful little bird. Cindy Drill of North Mankato had a white-winged dove on May 29th in her yard. Uh, Tom and Dot Kiner had one on May 7th in Janesville. I, I bet there's a pretty good chance it's the same bird, but uh, I hope a lot of the people get to see it. Uh, Dennis Disted of Albert Lee uh, was our county auditor here for uh, many years until he retired, a great fella. And now he's one of those guys that goes out and examines the ditches, the dredge ditches. Uh, he asked, where do birds sleep at night? Uh, Birds seek spots protected from weather and predators, so they might find that inside dense foliage in trees, shrubs, or vines, Others sleep in cavities, birdhouses, and other niches. Uh, many birds perch close to tree trunks, and that makes sense because that tree trunk might hold some of the sun's warmth from the day and it also will block the wind and we were talking about wind Mm -hmm. just think if you're a bird trying to sleep and it's just uh, you got to find a nice place where you're not going to blow away or blow awake all the time (laughs) Uh, some take advantage of sheltered places like barns ledges to roost. A waterfowl will sleep floating in the water and waiting birds like herons and egrets sleep standing in the water or standing on land. Birds that live in open fields, I think of horn larks and great partridges and these kind of things, and also those that live on shores, they might just hunker down where they are and hope for the best. There are birds like Most of the owls that work the night shift, so they're not sleeping. They're out there working. And during the nesting season, there are birds now, of course, that will sleep in their nests at night to provide eggs and young with warmth and protection. So there are uh, many places that they go to get that nap in. And this is uh, oh, this is uh, it's not really a gardening question. I guess should I prune the branches bearing tent caterpillars and burn them? Uh, Eastern tent caterpillars are found on fruit trees like apple, choke cherry, crab apple, plum, and cherry, and we see them in May and June. And they make a noticeable web or tent in the fork of the branches. Then we have fall webworms that create large webbing at the ends of the branches of walnut, birch, black cherry, elm, maple trees. We get those in late July through September. Well, you'd think one of those tent caterpillars would be enough, but we get two <laughs> different kinds no there's no need to prune you could soak the tents with soapy water or just pull out the webbing along with the caterpillars and then you can bury or bag to dispose of them
0: that's what I do uh, Al I just pull the whole darn web thing out and I don't know throw it away or do something with it yeah that's what I would do I wouldn't I wouldn't cut the branches itself
1: no, you're doing. You're gonna do more damage to the tree than uh, what those guys are doing. I remember as a kid, one of the neighbor kids. He thought it would be good to put gas or something Ooh. on it He set it on fire and of course burned a tree up. Oh, so no. it, it did get rid of the tent caterpillars. I will oh. say that. <laughs> and uh, I think got rid of some of his mother's patience too. About I would, the same time.
0: you know, maybe take it out of the tree and then if you want to burn it, but not in the tree. Yeah.
1: Not in the tree. Well, yeah. you know, he was a boy. So yeah. You just, you're, you're looking for an easy way to do <laughs> things. And that seemed like a wise way to do it. And, yeah, I don't know what there is about boys. It's, <laughs> it's just amazing any of us made it to adulthood yeah. sometime. Uh What birds drink sugar water other than hummingbirds? Oh, you know, there are a number of birds with, sweet, with a sweet tooth and that enjoy nectar. Uh, house finches, downy woodpeckers, uh, warblers, and that includes orange crown, cape may, uh, pine, and there's, you know, we occasionally get mockingbirds here, so they're another one that enjoys it. Oh, uh, what else would be? Oh, chickadees, uh, thrashers, and titmice are other birds that, uh, boy, they like that uh, that sweetness there. So, if you put it out for uh, for hummingbirds, you're liable to get a number of other things they'll be coming to eat it so that's a, a good thing and i will mention i've heard from a bunch of folks that have said you know i've seen more birds than i i think i've ever seen and again i i, I hope that means that you're maybe looking for taking the time to just looking for more birds but i will add that this cold late spring has made birds more evident uh probably particularly so for folks with feeders. But trees without highly developed foliage has made the birds more visible. So when a lot of the warblers came back and they like to live on leaf insects, so they're out there searching for food in the trees, only the leaves aren't as big as they are by the time they come back many years so they can hide behind the foliage more than they could this year. So they're more visible. And then the lack of abundant food has made hungry birds appear tamer. I was walking a trail up in Stearns County here a week or so ago And I thought a scarlet tanger was going to land on me. It just kept flying over, and it was going from one side of the trail to the other looking for something to eat. But what a beautiful bird. It it acted as if I wasn't even there, and I thought, wow, it's just this one goofy bird. But then I found three of them, three scarlet tanger males, and they all acted that same way because they were hungry. And uh, I wasn't a concern. (laughs) I wasn't edible. So I wasn't real concerned, and they uh, they deemed me as not a, uh, a predator. <laughs> so they were just, they pretty much ignored me is what they did, you know. So, it, and a grandpa, you know, being at family things, it, we're kind of used to being ignored anyway. Aww. So it just, it made me feel right at home. But it, uh, it was, I had my camera, so I took a bunch of photos, and uh, a number of times it was too close to me. So I had to back up a ways to try to get the picture. It was, uh, if I'd had my cell phone, I could have taken uh, great shots with just a cell phone. So it was a wonderful, wonderful walk uh, to see this. this Scarlet Tanagers, they are a bird that makes me say, wow, no matter how many times I've seen them. I look at one and I just, they are so incredibly beautiful.
0: See, Al, um, with all the wind yeah. we have, I'm wondering, do a lot of nests and things blow out of trees and little baby yeah. birds? Is that is that an issue? And I guess there's really not yep. a lot we can do about it, is there?
1: No, a neighbor had uh, morning doves get Aww. blown out of the nest because their nests are architectural nightmares. They're Aww. just really, there's a couple of sticks, you know, thrown together. So they were on the ground. You know, all, about all you can do is try to get it up Aww. high and somewhere near where the nest was. or If you can find a nest, put them back in the nest, of course. But get it near there, you know, until they're 10 years, 10 years, 10 days old, they're eating pigeon milk. Is that what what they eat? So I don't know. Somebody told me you can get uh, like parrot food, uh, like baby parrot food, which I imagine comes in a little Gerber jar (laughs) or something to feed them at that age. But it's it's real real difficult, you know. You can haul them up to the wildlife rehab center or up in Roseville, but other than that, it's just you know, and trying to take care of those babies. Um, Usually, as humans, we fail at it, and then it brings sorrow because yeah. the babies don't make it. So if you can get it up close to that, and morning doves are one of the prime ones that blow out. They're fairly large babies, so the wind impacts them more, and their nests are bad. So, it's Where a bad do they usually build
0: their nests, the mourning doves? I mean, I know I've, I've heard them around, but I just I'd never actually noticed where their nest might be.
1: Yeah, and they will, and I should mention, too, that we also have the Eurasian collared doves here, and they also will build a nest, and uh, that would probably be the same case where they would blow out of the nest. But they typically nest amid uh, dense foliage on the branch of an evergreen uh, or an orchard tree or a vine, and I see a lot of them in cottonwoods. Uh, They will on occasion nest on the ground, but I think that's more out west, and they're unbothered by nesting around us. They, They don't mind us, and I have seen them in the gutters or eaves or even abandoned farm equipment. They will nest there also.
0: Now I'm wondering uh, if we have a, a, a cardinal that is nesting in the yard. We see these two cardinals that are sticking around, so the boys yep. thought we must have a nest somewhere. Now, where would be a good place to look for them in in their nest? Because we're, you know, it's kind of fun to f- see if you can find them. And I'm just curious, what would be the most likely place, height, et cetera.
1: Yeah, here they love to nest in. Uh, oh, I as a kid I always called them tangles. They just nest in this tangled vine, and it's just, a. they like a place like that because it's a good place to be secretive, and you don't have to worry about everybody, uh, every predator saying, hey, what's there? So that's a very, they'll probably be, oh, you know one to 15 feet high i'm trying to picture probably 15 feet high would be as high as you see them in dense foliage again it's in vine tangles or shrubs or saplings as far as the kinds of trees and shrubs they boy the i see them in the dogwood here but they also like the honeysuckle a hawthorn would be perfect grapes Uh, Red cedar, I've seen them in there, but they also do spruce, pines, hemlock. Uh, A friend called me a couple years ago. They were nesting in his rose bushes.
0: How high up do they generally? Uh, Are they, like, higher up or medium?
1: One to 15 feet. Oh, wow. Almost to the ground and then not real high. Uh, They're uh, elms, sugar maples, box elders. The the male will bring the nest material to the female. She does most of the building. She will crush twigs with her beak until they're pliable and then put them in the nest and bend the twigs around her body so it's, uh, it's shaped to her form. And it's a cup. It has four layers. And it's a nest. Boy, they'll take three to... I read once three to nine days, I believe, and then they'll only use it once. So it hmm. uh, it's a it's an amazing thing that they do. Um, thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch with us. It's uh, always great to, uh, great to have you around and great to be in your company. I, uh, the road I live along is having both destruction and construction work done to it. Road signs outnumber dandelions now on it. It has become a skull-rattling road with lessened traffic, and, the tr- and that traffic has slowed And the signs say I should give serious thought to having a tattoo reading, road work ahead. I was daydreaming of a time, as I listened to the news, when the only infectious thing would be our laughter, when I heard a quacking from our most familiar duck, the mallard, and only the female mallard quacks. And this one was so vocal. She went on and on and on and on. I don't know what was up. I'm sure there was a concern. But I didn't shush her because as the maniacal Daffy Duck said, don't shush me, I'll make all the noise I want to. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo. And she's likely complaining about the road. I hope that's the only complaints any of you have today is about a road. It'd be a good life in my case if that is true. Remember, Heartless, while we're driving past, thanks for listening to me Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen.
0: It's always great to have you on. We'll chat with you uh, next week. Thanks, Al. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.